come from? Gentlemen, do you realize what we've found? It came from outer space to fill the world with terror. What earthly power can stop this terror? That's the signpost up ahead. Your next stop. The podcast. From outer space. And welcome back to the podcast from outer space, everybody. It's your boy, Rob Scott. We got T-Bag, a.k.a. Adam Narlock in the house. Hey, guys. Thanks for listening. And as always, it's Ryan Scott. Aloha, everybody. And we're back once again, y'all. We got the 89 Vision tonight, and it's Freemasonry. That's what we're diving into. Yes. Now, real quickly, before we get to the background on this one, a little reminder, we are running a contest till the end of this month. That is January, so uh, go ahead and enter that if you haven't already. Multiple ways to enter, and you win a bunch of free cool shit. Uh, So (laughs) go check the latest post on Instagram and see how to enter that. Uh, so hopping right into this one, Freemasons. Now a little background on this episode, uh, because this is kind of like a precursor again, you know, I feel like we're constantly doing this, but this is like a, uh, wait, is that what we want to call it? A, a prequel. Yeah. Prequel episode. Adam's uh, favorite. So we got a listener request and I'm thinking, you know, okay, this is deeply connected to Freemasons. We couldn't really do the listener request without getting to Freemasons. And this is uh, a whole thing in itself. So I figure, hell, we'll basi- this will basically set up our next episode. Shirt before the shirt, if you will. Yeah, and possibly another uh, connected episode uh, in the future. Because with Freemasonry, it's like, you know how we did our uh, Operation Paperclip and that tied to Manhattan Project, the moon landings, uh, rocket science, like it's, it's all connected? It is all connected. That's, right. that's similar to this one, you know? So I figure, hell, uh, we might as well give a solid background on Freemasonry, uh, and then we can get to some of these other episodes because there is a bunch of tie-ins to Freemasonry. Uh, and, you know, similar to the Illuminati, I believe we discussed it on our Illuminati episode. Uh, and just like with the Illuminati, countless conspiracy theories out there. Uh, because, you know, several prominent figures throughout history and even today are Masons. Uh, now, the list is pretty long and it includes prominent politicians, several founding fathers, 14 U.S. presidents in total, titans of business such as Henry Ford, royal family members, numerous prime ministers such as Winston Churchill, famous musicians like Wolfgang Amadeus Mozart, and even the likes of Davy Crockett, John Wayne, Richard Pryor, Shaquille O'Neal, and famed astronaut Buzz Aldrin, the second astronaut to set foot on the moon, or maybe fake setting foot on the moon, these guys were all Freemasons. So, you know, a lot of, uh, lot of uh, what do you call it? Um, like sniffing around. A lot of uh, mystery. Scooby-Doo? <laughs> yeah, a lot, lot of mystery to this one. A lot of what's going on. A lot of questions that Who need answers. It? Yeah. Who done it? Uh, and we're going to look at that today. And now today... The Freemasons estimate their membership numbers more than 6 million members worldwide, although the true number is not fully known. Uh, So in this episode, we are going to aim to give you the origins, evolution, and numerous theories perpetuated over the years regarding the OG fraternity known as Freemasonry, a.k.a. the Freemasons, a.k.a. the Masons. Freemasons 
Are those the guys you go to when your homie named Mason gets thrown in jail and you say, hey, my homie's in jail, and they say, his name's Mason? We'll get him sprung. Okay. Okay. Deep cut there. What else we got? Free Mason. Is that when you take your girl out to the restaurant and you slide your jar into her purse and walk out and say, hey, baby, we got some Freemason jars. Okay. <laughs> Again, these are kind of a stretch, but it's good. I like the energy. All right. I'll keep some of those. I'll edit it. Um, <laughs> so those are gone. No, but you know, Masons, <laughs> you know, uh, it's a group. It's a strange group. And, and a lot of this research uh, for this one comes straight from a great documentary I found, which is National Treasure. Uh, with, so, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, so because that is 100% fact. I mean, you know, is it Nick Cage? Nick Cage don't lie. A national treasure, 100% fact. Am I right? Um, <laughs> don't know if it's 100%. Well, okay, based on a true story, maybe. Well, yeah, basically, where I'm going, I feel like a lot of people when they look into this stuff, they want it to be like National Treasure or like Da Vinci's mm. Code, you know, like, sure, uh, sure. Hey, maybe we can stumble on some mysterious treasure map. Uh, maybe we can crack a code like Dan Brown. Uh, and, you know, I got to admit that these romanticized versions are definitely at first glance much more interesting than actual Masonic history. Because I sent you guys like a free doc, uh, a few documentaries to check out. Did you check out any of them? You're saying, a d- okay, more interesting than actual history? Well, at first glance, because you watch some of these documentaries, like there's Inside the Freemasons on Netflix. There's a couple I watched on Amazon Prime, and it is just dull and boring. Yeah, that's the tool the Freemasons use. They make it seem boring, (laughs) like, oh, this is stupid. I I don't even want to do this. Like, Why did I even start watching this when really there's like some Nicolas Cage shit going on? I don't. Well, you're watching it, and it's like, John is a 30-degree Freemason who would enter the lodge today. And it's just like it goes on and on like that. Well, yeah, it's a bunch and of old like, white people. From I know, the UK. but you watch this stuff and you think it's going to be like fucking founding fathers setting up America, treasure map, badass stuff. And it's, well, yeah, it's, if you take, it's not uh, that. If you take national treasure for a one hundred percent fact, yeah, there you go. And I'm saying when you go off of that, you can go down the rabbit hole. Uh, and there is just it's it's a deep history. It's a long. It's a complex history. Mm. Um, so with all that said, I tried to make this one as interesting as possible. No, as understandable <laughs> as best I could. Uh, and it. and I even also you know I threw in some tales of murder and mystery because I did find those. Are you and Edgar Allan Poe? Now you're just romanticizing this whole thing. I'm not romanticizing it. This is research, <laughs> dude. I am finding research. You guys didn't even watch the documentaries. Uh, because I found out, I've seen national treasure. I'm saying through this research, (laughs) I found out that the actual history is pretty complex and I think it's that way by design because my question is, this is a secret society. Why they got 6 million members? Not a big secret, huh? Well, it's not a secret society. We'll find out. And they have secrets in the society, but the society itself is not a secret, Mm. but also like, uh, so back to well, the like. Definitely, once you sh- share the secrets with six million people, it's not going to be very secretive. <laughs> well, they are still bound to secrecy, allegedly. Do you know the Freemason secrets? Do you? <laughs> no, it, <laughs> it's a secret. <laughs> you were just saying it's not that secret. So please expound on some of well, the secrets. I don't know any. He, he 
He's bound to secrecy. He can't. So any been in a lodge one time. It back, was a creepy experience. Back to the complex history of the whole thing. You look at most religions out there. You know, they're filled with prophets, martyrs, schisms, reformations. Uh, it's, it isn't simple to understand. Am I right? No, well, that's true. Because if it was, we wouldn't need ministers, priests, popes, uh, prophets, all that type of shit. Uh, So, you know, I've come to find that Freemasonry, very similar in that regard, Uh, though it is not classified as a religion. uh, But I believe all of this plays into why you get the anti-Mason rhetoric, the conspiracy theories that have lived on to this day. I mean, you know, just we couldn't even get through that paragraph without Rob saying, hey, secret stuff, secret stuff. This is what they want you to think is going on. So... What do we know? I mean, what do you guys know about Freemasons? Rob, you said you spent some time in a lodge. It was creepy. What do we got here? Let's hear the story. Time. Well, the first time I remember hearing about it, I believe we were going to some scouting event with uh, mm-hmm. Dr. Bittner. Yep, he was guys, a Freemason. Do you guys remember? And I went to just go use the bathroom. Simple task. Couldn't find it. I'm wandering around this Masonic temple looking at all these crazy carvings and stuff. And uh, there was like this guy watching me the whole time. It was kind of creepy. Watching you pee? Watching you go to the bathroom? No, like I was looking for the bathroom, (laughs) but like down the hall, this guy was just like staring at me from down the hall. Because you could have stolen some secrets. Yeah. Mm. He probably has some. You found the treasure map. (laughs) I was trying to find Benjamin Franklin's glasses. Next thing I know, this guy's chasing me around the temple. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so and so did that spark your interest in doing any research or you were just did you ask about it? Like, hey, what's with this guy, you know? Yeah, then I started uh, asking dad some questions about it and he was basically just saying it's kind of like the same thing as like the Lions Club and stuff like that. Uh, uh-huh. okay. Mm. What's the other one? The, the Shriners. Rotary Club. Rotary Club, yeah. Shriners. Yeah. Shriners. It's all the same um, shit, right? Yeah. Well, Shriners, Shriners are a subset of masonry. Mm. Like my first exposure to anything even remotely resembling the Masons was the Simpsons Stonecutters Society. Okay. That's the whole secret society thing. But you know, like they, they don't teach you this in school. It wasn't until I got to university when I had a professor. He's like, you know, Illuminati, Freemason. You know what I'm talking about, dude? <laughs> I, I never really thought about it. That's how he always talked, man. So you had a professor who like said the Illuminati was part of Freemasonry? No, no. Just we would be talking about stuff, and then like whenever we start going off on a tangent, he would just be like, "Okay, Illuminati, Freemason. Oh, okay. Let's Lump bring them back. together. They're okay. both like secret, weird secret societies. <laughs> yeah. Okay, what else? But then uh, when I got out to San Diego, I was hanging out with my buddy Randy. Like, we would work all day, and then we would skate. And then, like, this man would just be up all hours of the night, like, researching. He spent, like, months researching this stuff. And he'd be like, dude, we got to get in on it. We got to get in on this. Because there's, like, a temple right over in uh, Mission and Fashion Valley, right? Yeah, there's a couple around here. I was looking it up. I was thinking about maybe joining a lodge. Now, see, that's the thing. He said his grandpa could get us in. Don't you have to, like, work in some kind of trade or something or have a connection? Well, so, I mean, we'll get to that a bit later. But now I think it's just you pretty much just ask someone to join. Like, they don't actively seek out other people. You can just, like, literally go to a lodge and be like, hey, I want to join. You fill out an application. They all approve you. And then you you get in. You pay some 
fee, I guess, and then you're in. You get spanked, and yeah. Yeah, you probably have to suck off some old dude. <laughs> All the master, <laughs> no, no, uh, no. master masons. No, hey, we don't want to malign. We're not trying to slander. You know, this is all just um, jib jab. You know, classic discussion Flim on, yeah, on masonry. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, for me, I think it was like uh, you remember where they used to have the hotline skate contest. Yes, right yeah. across from there was a Masonic lodge, and oh, I remember, yeah. yeah, the Mason lodge is right there. And I remember seeing the lodge as a kid, and of course the symbolism. You got the um, the what is it square thing, and the compass yeah. and the G, and then All you get I. yep dazed and confused. A lot of stuff on a dollar bill that gets you to Freemasonry. And this one, like we said, heavily tied to Illuminati. So of course, like when you're looking up Illuminati, that's all woven in there. Uh, and of course, you know, 2004 National Treasure, that was a huge movie. That was fucking cool as a kid, you know, to see, hey, I've been to some of these places mm-hmm. and maybe we can find some treasure and we're hanging out with Nick Cage. <laughs> That's what you thought? <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was kind of my first exposures to it. Now, jumping right in. So the term itself, Freemasonry, comes from Mason uh, being a bricklayer. Uh, and the adjective free in this context may be taken to infer that the Mason was not enslaved, indentured, or bound by feudalism, uh, as I guess this was important in early Scottish lodges. And this was also early way to keep out people of color, because as we'll find out, pretty racist in the beginning, like a lot of, like pretty much everything. Uh, but modern day masonry will argue that all along the free actually came from the craft of freestone work. None of it has to do with like freeing the mind or anything like that. That's well, I mean, the the Mason. I think that argument, I guess, could be made, or maybe you could infer that yourself. Maybe that's a connection you just made. Did you read that somewhere? No, man, I'm just thinking aloud here. Spitballing. There you go, maybe there. Um, but I think those two are the most widely accepted definitions now. Mm. Free Slip ma- a couple jars into your girlfriend's purse. You got a couple Freemasons. <laughs> yeah. Uh, now, <laughs> now, now, did you write all those like jokes one. yourself? I was just when I was driving delivering mail, dude. I was just thinking of funny puns off Freemason. Okay, there we go. So, hey, uh, did you guys know that our boy Tom DeLong is actually a Freemason? That was another early connection for me. Okay. Oh, wow. And he's also heavily linked to uh, declassifying alien stuff, so maybe this is a grand cabal. He used to have a guitar that uh, the frets had the Freemason logo on it, and I was like, what the hell is this? Started okay. looking it up. Now, you think he's laying bricks alongside pipe or what? <laughs> <laughs> well, we'll get to that. A little so, bit of both. So Freemasonry or masonry, these are basically interchangeable. Um It just consists of fraternal organizations whose origins can be traced back to 14th century, possibly even further. Um, But it basically started off as like local fraternities of stonemasons. Now, essentially what these organizations did was regulate the qualifications of becoming a stonemason by trade and their interactions with authorities, clients. Uh, These guys are essentially like the first unions, you know? So okay, you'd okay. call them uh, regulators. I mean... Like Warren G. <laughs> yeah. Maybe that's where the G comes into play as well. Oh. Uh, uh, you know, but these guys, yeah, you know, Jimmy He's Hoffa... A Freemason. These guys are Jimmy Hoffa-style unions. Um, and this is wow. like... 
Yeah, this is like medieval times. Now, the medieval life as a mason, there was like three stages. It was the apprentice, the journeyman, and the master mason. Uh, And they would leave home at like 10 or 12 with a a liberal education back then, which was, I guess, just reading and writing. And arithmetic. (laughs) Yeah, then they would become a journeyman for some years doing work and then eventually become a master mason. Now, once a master mason... They typically preside over work such as York Minister, and they would become wealthy and respected. Uh, now, master masons and master carpenters sat at the high table of monasteries, dining with the abbot, who was the head monk. So these guys were kind of like moder- like architects nowadays, you know, very well respected. It was a very high class of society. So this literally started out as people that were laying bricks. Yes, exactly. Um, now this was basically the foundation for how it's all set up to this day. Uh, I mean, you know, with Freemasonry, as we said, you don't literally do these things anymore because they're not Masons by trade, but like the degrees are set up in a way that there's like certain rituals within the organization and it's like apprentice journeyman, master Mason, three degrees, you know, and this, I think a lot of this comes from a thing known as the, uh, Shaw statutes, which in 1598, I guess this evolved from like a Scottish uh, lodge and it, it kind of went as like apprentice, journeyman. Uh, they, you go from an apprentice, uh, then you could like join the lodge, you're an entered apprentice. And then once a journeyman, you refer to the other people as fellows of the craft and members of the lodge were known as brithers. Is that just with a Scottish accent? And I, it's brothers. <laughs> now say it with a Scottish accent. Brothers. Ah, lassie, my brother. Ah, my brother. <laughs> ah, yes. <laughs> so they're they're brothers. Uh, they they refer to themselves as brothers. Uh, and you know the master. Like, what the hell is this guy saying, brother? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Wrote it down wrong. And then the master became the mason in charge of the lodge. Uh, now you would swear an oath, and this goes back to uh, the earliest records of organized masonry. But the first recorded ritual was not until 1696 uh, in the Edinburgh Register House manuscript. So it's safe to say this all started in uh, Scotland. No, so we'll get to it. Like I'm just kind of see. This is where it could get confusing because I'm kind of going in an order of like, we're going to break down the terms. Mm, So this is like the degrees, you know, and we'll hop back and forth. Yeah. This is kind of how the degrees evolved. Um, But I think, yes, the degrees in now masonry can be traced back to like the Scottish lodges. But before that, it was like medieval England is where you can essentially trace Freemasonry back to. Got it, Um, got it. Yeah, so... This uh, So one of these manuscripts says that on taking the oath of an entered apprentice, a mason was entrusted with appropriate signs and a mason's word. Uh, so you basically learn a handshake, some secret words. And this also describes that this was accompanied by much horseplay. Mm. Just so, fucking around. <laughs> yeah. So is that like, you know, they're giving each other wedgies and shit? Probably not. They probably didn't have Filling underwear back in the 1500s. <laughs> yeah. So, okay. So anyways... Now, the origins, we'll get into the origin story because the Freemasons are basically, as far as I could tell, the oldest fraternal organization in the world. Um, You know, you had groups beginning during the Middle Ages in Europe as a guild of skilled builders, as we said. Uh, Now, when we think of Freemasonry today, 
it's a pretty broad term, but there's essentially two main groups. You've got the Anglo-American or regular Freemasons. Uh, Think of this as like traditional Masons. Uh, They insist a volume of scripture be open in a working lodge. Uh, What the fuck does that mean? Like they just have to have like a Bible open at all times in the lodge uh, or some form of scripture. Uh, That every member profess belief in a supreme being and that no women be admitted. Nice. Uh, and that discussion of religion and politics be banned. But you got to have a religious book open, but you can't talk about it. Exactly. Now, <laughs> there's also continental Freemasonry, which is basically a term for jurisdictions which have removed some or all of the restrictions from regular Freemasonry. So these guys are a little uh, bit more progressive. Maybe a little bit more progressive. Also, like they could talk about religion or politics. I think it became Got a like ladies uh, in there. Maybe. Yep. There, there are some. Although I think any of the ones that let women in aren't recognized by any of the like main lodges. Wow, that's oh, wow. fucked up. So they're just kind of doing their own thing now. But it really is just a boys' club. Like they're not regulating masonry work anymore. They're there to hang out, have a couple beers. Exactly. They're moving around a different kind of brick now. It's like we said, fraternity. Uh, okay. <clears throat> now, as is the case with a lot of stuff we talk about on this podcast, uh, the complete history of masonry is not fully known, and exactly how it came about is debatable. Uh, you know, as we said earlier, this is most likely by design. Sure. Now. The earliest Masonic texts all pretty much contain some sort of history on the craft of Masonry itself. Uh, now, the oldest is the Hallowell Manuscript, also known as Regis Poem, dating back anywhere between 1390 and 1425. Now, this poem essentially contains a brief history in its introduction, stating that the craft of Masonry began with Euclid in Egypt, uh, this guy was like the founder of geometry, and this is what a lot of people say the G stands for, because mm. you know geometry, big part sacred of G stonework, Ali G. Um, so it began with Euclid in Egypt. Then it comes to England during the reign of King Athelstan, uh, who modern historians regard as the first king of England uh, from 924 to 927. Hmm. Uh, Now, the poem goes on to give stonemasons instructions on how to behave, including moral directions like going to church, not employing thieves, refusing to take bribes. Um, The second part of the poem lays out employment codes, including not making the masons work by night and treating apprentices properly. Uh, The poem ends with warnings for those that did not follow these articles and rules. So basically, training manual in poem Mm. form. That's, I think that's how all training manuals should be. Snoop Dogg should come in, give you a little rap. Yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, written not too long after this first text came the Cook Manuscript, which traces masonry to Jabal, uh, who was a descendant of Cain. So now we're kind of getting the, the biblical tie-ins. And this text tells how the knowledge came to Euclid, who passed it on to the children of Israel while they were still enslaved in Egypt and so on through an elaborate path to the King of England. Now, historical record shows two levels of organization within medieval masonry, the lodge and the guild. Uh, The original use of the word lodge indicates a workshop erected on the site of a major work, while the guild 
was an association of craftsmen or merchants aiming to help each other with common goals. Like we said, you know, workers union. Um, now at this point, there's a bunch of these guilds and organizations all over the place. Each one has different manuscript histories and guidelines. Uh, are we, are we tracking so far? We're tracking. Let me make sure that everybody's on the same page as me. The lodge is a physical building where these guys would gather. Yes. And the guild is the group that gathers inside of the lodge. Yeah, essentially. But okay. and, and at this point, we're still in medieval masonry. So these are actually like masons by trade. This is still a workers union. It's still like guidelines on stonemason work and stuff. Uh, so I was it, taking it, it like <clears throat> in terms of, uh, we'll use Boy Scouts for an analogy. The lodge is like the troop and the guild is like the council. No, no. See, now you're you're thinking too deep on it. The lodge is where we would meet. Yeah, the lodge would be the like guild the church the we meet at. But the lodge is just a place on the ground. So that, gotcha. like, so if this okay. mason was building a church, yeah, that's the there lodge. would be a little lodge for them to meet at, and you know, get their morning coffee, shit like that. Um, <laughs> but uh, this is again while masonry is still being practiced, like building shit out of bricks, like actual masonry. Yeah. Got it. Um, <clears throat> Now, this is where things start to kind of get all over the place. Um, so just, you know, if anything's confusing, let me know. You'll explain it like we're five. Yeah, because this is how masonry existed for some time. And the church was for a long time the major employer of masons, which, you know, makes sense. Makes I mean, sense. The, those old stone churches. I mean, you guys have been to jolly old England and seen some of these things, right? Cathedrals, yeah. are we talking about? Yeah, cathedrals, those old, beautiful stone churches. I mean, they're masterpieces, you know? they're The stonework is insane in there. You know, I, like, you guys have both seen these things, right? Yes. I bet people couldn't even build that shit today. People probably could. Which is why I think... They would need the poem read to them. They, need, they got help from aliens. Mm-hmm. Classic, <laughs> classic <laughs> scapegoat. And that's where we're bringing aliens into the mix. No, I mean... It, that's you know all joking aside those those old churches they're fucking crazy and you can see like um how masonry was such a big deal at the time it was such a big uh the, as we said the church huge employer of masons because how else are they going to build those fucking things mm. now around the mid 16th century we get the period of reformation now, T-Bag, can you explain this? I believe you've explained it before. I think it's basically just everybody's kind of fed up with the Catholic Church. Martin Luther's going around nailing notes on people's doors saying, hey, we got to make some changes here. And you get a whole bunch of different religions breaking off from Catholicism. That's my understanding. Okay, yeah. Now, this is happening, and it's like uh, King Henry VIII, he wanted to get divorced or something, right? That's correct. Yeah. So he was like, hey, we're splitting off. Yeah, and he was like, we're splitting off from the church. Now he just starts breaking up monasteries left and right. This was known as the disillusion of monasteries. And you can look into this. Breaking off hoes um, left and right too. <laughs> yeah, but now, <laughs> now what goes hand in hand with this is the lodges. So as he's breaking up these monasteries, he, bre- he broke up many of the lodges as well. And it is believed that the craft of guilds altogether were abolished in England in 1547. Now, King Henry dies, and Archbishop Cranmer 
sought to advance the Reformation by the abolition of guilds and fellowships in 1548, revoking their monopolies. Uh, But this was quickly repealed within a year because they said, um, hey, Archbishop, hello, we need these skilled laborers to build the shit. Uh, You know, it's too useful to the government. So the government is now the major employer of Masons, who in London have moved from a fellowship to an official corporation. Now, this is when we start to see uh, the shift to what is known as speculative masonry. Now, what that is, is letting in people who are not stonemasons by trade. So now you like speculative masonry is when they start letting in people who don't build shit out of bricks. They're just letting uh, any Joe Schmo who has a couple bucks walk off the street and he's a Freemason. <laughs> yeah. Now, I mean, not any Joe Schmo because around this time, uh, there was also a shift from master mason to the architect. Um, so it's probable that architects started to join the lodge of masons they worked with. Is this the Matrix or the Mason? <laughs> but this, this, you're going there to rub elbows with people who work in similar trades, might benefit your business, you scratch their back. Funny thing about their back is... <laughs> <laughs> it's located on their cock. That's Especially one of the, in the Catholic Church. Yeah, and that's one of the Mason rituals. But it's like... Uh, <laughs> Like they start shifting from because remember how we said medieval slandering. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a joke. People know I'm joking. Now remember we said up top like the medieval life of a mason was apprentice, journeyman, master. Now it's just they're kind of splitting off because now you have things like architects who are designing the buildings. They're separate from a master mason. So it's like T-Bag said, they want to know these guys they're working with. They start joining lodges. It's also possible that uh, operative Masonic lodges began to raise money by charging entry for admission to their quote-unquote mysteries. So this is like a fucking, uh, almost like a magic show. Now they're just trying to make money and they're like, hey, we got a bunch of mysteries. Well, give us a couple bucks. Like you said, Joe Schmo comes in off the street, bing, bang, boom, he's a mason. And here's a couple magic tricks. Yeah. And eventually, basically anybody could join. But remember, if you want to be a Freemason, you have to be smart. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, now, no one specifically knows why this shift happened, but the reasons we just discussed are probably the two most likely. Money and hose. Now, let's get into the formation of the Grand Lodge. Um, because Because you've got all these different guilds, uh, like we said. You know, there's a bunch of different guilds all over the place. They're essentially their own unions. We've got the shift to letting non-Masons by trade in, and this is when they finally decide, hey, We need one overall governing body, i.e. the Grand Lodge. Now, again, just like the degrees kind of jumping through the history, um, it's like we said, lodges started off as a a place uh, on the work site. And by like now, uh, you know, as we said, there was lodges all over growing up. You used the bathroom in one. It's a place like that. (laughs) Didn't just go in there. (laughs) I'm saying that's what they are. They're like hotels for members during their travels. They like, if you're a Mason and you're in Vegas stranded and you're like, oh man, where's my uh, local lodge? You can like go stay there. You just got to know the secret handshake. Yep. You got to know the secret codes and the secret handshake. A couple guys off. Yep. And um, if you're like looking for work, 
Could you like just pop over to the next lodge and be like, yo, I need some work? Well, I think back in the day, but now they're kind of trying to get away from that. Although I still feel like that goes on today. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, some of the more, more famous lodges contain memorabilia from famous members. Uh, the House Temple for the Supreme Council of the Scottish Rite of Southern Jurisdiction in Washington houses the flag that Buzz Aldrin took to the moon. And oh. St. John's Lodge Number 1, Ancient York Masons in New York, houses the Bible that George Washington was sworn in as president on. Hmm. And I believe a couple other presidents were sworn in on this Bible. Um, and it contains that cherry tree. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, Grand Lodges, sometimes called Grand Orients, are basically the larger structures that govern a geographic collection of lodges. Um, so they have a loose amount of authority over different lodges in their area. And there's a great deal of local variation in rituals, meeting format, and some cases even ranks and degrees. So the original Grand Lodge was formed from four lodges. Uh, They were the Goose and Gridiron, the Crown, (laughs) the Apple Tree, and the Rummer and Grapes. This is the name of the buildings? The names of the lodges themselves. Because this is before it was like Freemasonry. They, They were just Masons, like workers' unions, and this was four lodges. You know, Goose and Gridiron obviously is the best name. Uh, oh man, see, I like rummer and grapes. <laughs> oh, you like rummer and grapes? Yeah. I like the crown. Okay, you there would. we go. Uh, so basically, obviously, not very creative <laughs> back then. Obviously, you don't know what a gridiron is. What's a gridiron? <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, these guys they hold an assembly at the Goose and Gridiron, great name once again, uh, in St. Paul's Churchyard on the 24th of June, 1717. They agree to meet four times a year, conduct business, uh, have an annual assembly, elect a grand master. At this meeting, they elected Anthony Sayer. He was the master of the lodge at the Apple Tree. And other than that, there wasn't much on this guy uh, I could find, you know. Um, That's how he wanted it. Yeah, I guess. But I, I think he, he died a very poor man. Mm. <laughs> and he was like a beggar or something at one point in his life. Wow. Um, but anyways, you know, these guys, they were just like, so hey. you could find that, but nothing else? Yeah, I mean, there's <laughs> really not, like, there's not a lot this guy did in his life other than become the first grandmaster of the first Grand Lodge. <laughs> and they were like, all right. That means to, nothing. Time, to, time <laughs> yeah. to hit the bricks, buddy. Yeah, but basically, they, they were just like, yeah, we don't care about this guy. <clears throat> anyways. At this point, these guys just kind of saw themselves as an association of an association of London lodges, and that was just a way to keep them more organized. But as we'll find out, uh, this perception would change quite rapidly in the years to come, especially when Freemasonry came to America. Now, following the formation of the Grand Lodge, this is the one that kind of dictated the rules for the other lodges to follow. Um. You know, it's like we said, some you have to profess belief in a supreme being, some you can't talk religion or politics. Those kind of rules, I think, were the main ones to come out of this Grand Lodge formation. Some of these other lodges said, hey, fuck that. This is where we get the first schism, separating out different types of Freemasonry we talked about up top, regular and continental, because this Grand Lodge met and they said, hey, these are the rules we're making. Some people said, hey, fuck that. And then we get regular 
and continental. So, you know, regular, traditional, you have to believe in a supreme power, no religion, no political. Continental, they mo- mainly agreed that political talk was necessary. Um, so the Premier Grand Lodge of England was founded, and shortly after, a one James Anderson was commissioned to basically sift through these quote-unquote gothic constitutions and come up with a more modern form. So he essentially has to go through all these historical manuscripts from different lodges and put together like one cohesive history that they can point to. Okay, that's kind of a badass gig, I feel like. Yeah, I mean, he's kind of just writing his own history, as we'll find out, because um, these became known as constitutions. And um, the ones Anderson came up with were prefaced by a a history more extensive than any before. And this is where we get him tracing the history of what was now Freemasonry back to biblical roots. Now, Scottish author William Preston, uh, he wrote a book called Illustrations of Freemasonry, and he kind of expanded on this whole Masonic creation myth. And the 1737 lecture of Chevalier Ramsey. Now that's Chevalier. Added the Crusaders to the Mason lineage, and he maintained that Crusader Masons had revived the craft with secrets recovered in the Holy Land under the patronage of the Knights Hospitaller. So basically, basically we got the Crusades going on. The Masons decide to send their own guys just to go out and dig up these secrets from when the Israelis... The Israelites were building the temples in Egypt. Well, that's where these guys are. They're making this up. Oh, this isn't true. There was no Mason connection to the Knights Templar that anybody in history can find. But these guys thought that shit was badass. So they wanted to write that into their history. Oh, God. You get what I'm saying? Because by now, they had started letting non-Masons. It's becoming a fraternity. And they're saying like, hey... Knights Templar's badass. Uh, We've already got biblical roots. Let's fucking keep going with this shit. Let's fucking expand on the myth. You know, it becomes myth. It becomes like its own uh, religion in a sense. That's going to sell tickets. Yeah. So at this point, you know, we've got Anderson's histories uh, from 1723 and 1738. We've got Ramsey's romanticism uh, throwing the Crusades (laughs) into the mix. Uh, And this adds to a ton of speculative histories most notably one that connects them to Solomon's temple, as you were just kind of getting at, Teabag. Now, the earliest known ritual places the first Masonic lodge in the porchway of King Solomon's temple. Uh, now, if you, don't, if you didn't go to Bible school, that's basically the first temple was the temple in Jerusalem built under King Solomon's reign, uh, 957 BC. So... It's this is just adding more to the myth, and then you so know, is this bullshit or real? No, this is bullshit. But it's like the guys writing in, "Hey, we have a connection to the Knights Templar, tracing us back to biblical times." Oh, and it's then, at this location, by the way. Yeah, then they work this into their rituals, which they say is like an allegory, if that makes wow. sense. So bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. <laughs> yeah. Now. Again, you know, we've got the Knights Templar becoming involved in the myth. Uh, Now, more recently, several authors have attempted to link the Templars to the timeline of Freemasonry through the imagery of the carvings in Roslyn Chapel in Scotland. 
Now, Rob, have you been to Roslyn Chapel? Because I know you went to like a few churches in Scotland. Yeah, like old churches. I went to a lot of old churches in Scotland, but I don't believe that was one of them. Okay. Um, Basically. Where, Where is that located? I do not know right off the top of my head, but this is basically where the Templars are rumored to have sought refuge Actually, after. Hold on, let me look that up. So if yeah, if you know anything about this, uh, the Templars' history, this is where they're rumored to have like gone after the King of France broke up the order. Uh, but that's another episode for another day. So official, the official history of Freemasonry is murky at best. You know, people are kind of cherry picking what they like. They're coming up with their own histories. I mean, they haven't even got their own history straight (laughs) and there's already a schism, you know? Uh, And just like with religion or anything that really gains a massive following, there's going to be a schism. They don't even have to sell it anymore. Everybody's already making up their own stories, choosing what they want to believe and they want to be part of it. I think I actually might have gone here. <laughs> Dude, I went to like 30 fucking different churches when I was there and I was also like 15 years old. So, all right, so there you go. Did a minute. Any uh masonry stuff there? <laughs> did you use the bathroom? <laughs> I did. <laughs> he didn't even know he was there. Um, so yeah, it's like we said, you know, they haven't even got their shit straight. There's a schism. Uh, this is just like with any religion or anything that gains a massive following, there's a schism. Like we said up top, you know, this whole complex history is by design. You know, maybe it didn't start out that way, but I'm sure as they got, uh, as there was a shift to letting like non Masons in, and they said, hey, you know, let's take a page out of religion's book. We'll run with this. We'll charge membership. Bing, bang, boom. We're fucking made guys. <laughs> made guys. Yeah. You know, I mean, I think we need to start muddying our own history. You know, yes. teabag. How did he get that name? Did he actually get drunk at a party and teabag the actor from the new guy? <laughs> he might well, have. But we just let everybody make up their own story. Exactly. Not one true story. All right. All Did right. he get teabagged by the entire high school Kellum football team? No, no, no. Hey, no one knows. Nobody knows. That could be the myth. <laughs> that could be the reality. You know, how did you get that name? Is it because your love of drinking uh, Kalamu green tea? Mm. It might be. Eventually, Teabag, you form your own podcast, and that's our great schism. I've been thinking a lot about this. Teabag's podcast from inner space, and (laughs) it's the fucking great schism. Sipping tea in your hood. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, So let's get into some of the ceremonies and rituals, because by this point, and still to this day, Freemasonry had taken on a more philosophical air. Uh, You know, they basically use the principles and morals of the old stonemasons as the foundation and ceremonies became sort of uh, pageantry, you know? I mean, it's the fucking 16th century. There's no TV. These guys are, are just trying to have some fun, you know? They're horsing around, doing some horseplay, hazing some of these fucking rooks, uh, and they're, they're having deep philosophical conversations. This was their entertainment, you know? It just so happened to help them become better members of society at the same time. Mm. You know? Allegedly. Thoughts there? It's I'm still hung up on the whole you got to have you got to believe in a god, a supreme being. You got to have a religious text open, but we can't talk religion or policy. Oh, well, that's not or true. Politics. That's not true in all 
temples. Well, that's the I'm not main saying one. all of them. Yeah, that that still blows my mind. But yet somehow they're turning these people into productive members of society, quote unquote. We'll get to some of our thoughts there. That's what these groups okay. do, Adam. They brainwash you into their <laughs> beliefs. They bring you in. You think you're going to become part of some secret. You think you're going to get wealthy. Then boom, next thing you know, you're part of a group that keeps the Bible open. And Well, but again, that's the misinformation coming into play. It, that is not, by definition, what these guys are doing. They're not necessarily getting wealthy. Like we said, the first Grand Lodge uh, Grand Wizard was a fucking beggar. <laughs> yeah, the first one until they started caring about money, and now it's all changed. Okay, well... You don't even have to be a fucking mason to get into the Freemasons anymore. And again, that's just... It's becoming more watered down. So I wouldn't say they're becoming more powerful. But we'll get there, we'll get there, and I and I want to see your thoughts there. So again, we talked about kind of the evolution of degrees up top. Uh, we spoke a little bit about the degrees of Freemasonry. Uh, between 1723 and 1730, the whole ideas of degrees began to spread within the craft. You got first, second, third. Um, as we said, this was basically restructuring of pre-existing material from medieval times. Uh, but they basically updated it with secret rituals, uh, codes, and handshakes learned at each level. Now, what does this picture look like? Pyramid scheme. Well, you're skipping ahead. Uh, and <laughs> Now, we'll see with the spread to America, different lodges start throwing in even more levels and secrets to learn. Like, you got the Scottish Rite, the York Rite. They're throwing lots of irons in the fire when Freemasonry came to America. Uh, so, let's hop across the pond right now and get into that. Coming to America. So the first Masonic lodges began popping up in the colonies in the early 18th century. Uh, Boston and Philly were the first two, I believe, uh, and swiftly gained power and influence. Uh, Members of the Freemasons eventually played a pivotal role in the formation of the United States. Uh, Mm. 13... Of the 39 signatures on the U.S. Constitution belong to Masons. Uh, Now, one of the most recognizable, aside from George Washington, was none other than old Benjamin Franklin. And I think a strong argument can be made that if it was not for the Freemasons, the United States of America, as we know it, might not exist. Now, let me explain this a little bit. Because... uh, We know the Masons are deeply philosophical by this point, right? So, you know, they had the freedom to brainstorm amongst each other. uh, What would be the principles of this newfound country? Uh, You know, a whole new government for us, by us. This is known as FUBU government. (laughs) So, So, you know, these guys are brainstorming this shit. You know, this is pretty much without question where... Benjamin Franklin came up with the whole idea for freedom of the press. And this is something that is still like fought over and argued to this day. We're seeing this going on right now. Uh, and also with the fake news, yeah, well, <laughs> the fake news, the like, uh, banning people from different social media companies, I guess, social media in general, banning your boy teabag from YouTube and Tinder, banning teabag, Tinder like too, Adam no. Jones, <laughs> or yeah, <laughs> Alex dude. Jones, he's the Alex Jones of this podcast. Oh, 
You got to start selling some prepackaged food, my guy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and we got Rob's crystals and we got tea bags, fucking prepackaged supplements. Uh, nice. Now, now here, let me continue with my rant here because also, old Benjamin Franklin, he had deep connections with the Masons in France. Uh, so deep, in fact, that he orchestrated them to have the colonies backs in a revolutionary war. You know, he's basically saying, if I diss these fucking British idiots, you got our backs, right, France? You know, fuck taxes, fuck tea and crumpets. We're starting a revolution. And France. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's verbatim what he said. <laughs> yeah, that's verbatim what he said. said. Hell yeah, we got espressos and croissants over here, bitch. Yeah, France said, we're fully on board. And see, see, right here, this is why France is the fucking homies always. You know, shout out to the France listeners out there. Shout out because to our boy Greg. Yeah, there's a strong argument even further that if it wasn't for the French alliance, the colonies would have lost and the old USA would probably look pretty different today. You think we'd all have British accents? I don't know, but... You never know, mate. All of these lodges are popping up in America, including the first African lodge for black gentlemen. And many roles and many roles in government were being dominated by Masons. People started to get suspicious. You know, people fear what they don't know. And what you know, what do these guys have to hide? What the hell are they up to? Now this is when we're still wondering that. Yep. And this is when we get the anti-Masonic rhetoric. But, you know, this didn't really begin in America. You know, as we said, you know, big church, they were constantly butting heads with the Freemasons. Um, The secret aspects of it, along with its biblical mythology and Christian symbols, led Pope Clement XII to institute a decree against the Masons in the 18th century, but Freemasonry continued to grow. And in the 19th century, the Vatican issued anti-Masonic literature, one of them branding the Masons as the quote-unquote synagogue of Satan. Which, that's actually pretty fucking badass, pretty fucking metal. See, that's what I'm saying, man. Like, they're not even doing anything. Everybody else is doing all the work for them. Oh, like, it's like if a dad tells his daughter, don't date this guy, what's the daughter going to do? Go date that guy. Now, expound upon this a little bit more. I, I, I I think I'm losing you. Freemate is it's just a badass organization. They don't have to do any work. People want to be part of it because of the mythos that's associated with them. Okay. And so these... Uh, now, see, also, is it like these fucking popes and shit are getting pissed because they're taking away members of the church? This is like we talked about with mm. our Illuminati episode. Like the... Illuminati, like uh, Weishaupt and them, started off as like free thinkers and shit, telling people to question the church, and so they got fucking pissed at them. See, that's where you lost me because wasn't the church like the biggest employer of the Masons? But that was again medieval. That's before they we get got to it. speculative Masonry. Now they already um, have their churches and they're pissed at them. Yeah, because it became it was churches. Then that dude split up the churches, and then it became the government was the big employer. Mm. You know, and then we get the move from like. I feel like we got the move from, you know, this church run thing. And then masonry almost became like a corporation, like a modern day corporation. You know, you know how they say today, oh, it's all run by corporations. It's just which corporation donates to which politician. It's all one big fucking ass. It's not what you know, it's who you know. Yeah, exactly. Um, 
But yeah, you know, even so we got people coming out against the Masons much later, much, much later, even Adolf Hitler himself ranted against the Masons. Now, so it's like T-Bag was saying, the Masons, they're just a boys club. You know, it's these guys having fun. It's their entertainment. They're doing their little fucking rituals. They're doing their pageantry, um, nighting each other, and just hanging out, talking, poly- or talking. Nighting each other? Yeah, they're nighting each other at different degrees. They're talking, uh, hey, you know, what What are some good principles for this new country? Oh, freedom of speech, uh, freedom of press, freedom, uh, right to bear arms, you know. They're making the declaration. They, they have the freedom to discuss these ideals amongst each other, but not a nefarious group. You know, they're not, they don't have some overarching uh, plan to like start America or anything like that, that we know of yet. And we get the anti-Mason people. And as we said, Freemasonry, it's growing fast in the U.S. And one of the more prominent conspiracy theories that gained traction over here was that an infamous murder had occurred at the hands of the Masons in an effort to keep the victim from revealing the organization's secrets. And I think you can almost point to this one, this one incident as a huge factor in kicking off these Masonic conspiracies that thrive to this day. Because while it may not have been the first, it was definitely a massive spark that helped to start the fire of the Freemason conspiracy theories. Now, this conspiracy in particular led to a national anti-Mason movement that shook one of history's most influential secret societies to its core and changed American politics forever. In the realm of politics, the first third party in the United States formed out of a direct response to the fears that the Masons were too secretive and too powerful. And they hit the nail right on the head, naming themselves the Anti-Masonic Party. Now, are these, not very the, creative. <laughs> are these just the dickheads that couldn't get into the Mason, you know, the Masons? Well, I mean, like, oh, we'll, we'll I'm get to better. it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't, I don't know if it's necessarily that they couldn't get in because it's like we said, Masons, they'll pretty much, they're pretty liberal with who they let in. That's what I'm saying. You got to be like a, a sucky person and not get into the Masons. Yeah. You got to be a real dickhead, maybe like banging somebody's wife, you know, that type of shit. But anyway, they could just move to it. <laughs> What? Banging somebody's wife. That was shot at me. <laughs> no, I, I that was <laughs> slandering Adam, dude. I'm just saying, like, it has to be unanimous. that from this episode. The Lodge has been to, friends for a long time. The Lodge has to unanimously vote to get a new member in. So if this guy, if this guy banged somebody's wife, obviously he's going to have an issue and he's not going to vote. Maybe he didn't know that it was someone's wife at the time he was banging them. <laughs> We're getting you. off this mythical tale, all right? <laughs> So we have the formation of the Anti-Masonic Party. Now let's get into the story of how all of this came about with the tale of William Morgan. Batavia, New York, 1826. Now William Morgan himself, he was not of any particular fame or importance. Uh, You know, this guy is a bit of a drunk around town. Uh, he, he almost became somewhat of a drifter, constantly moving his family from one failed scheme to the next. Mm. Uh, and as we said, 
Freemasonry really started to spread in America. This is where, you know, the Masons are at every level of the country's social, economic, and political hierarchies. Uh, at the time, New York was especially riddled with Masons. Now, Morgan had a buddy in Batavia, New York, David C. Miller, who was a local newspaper publisher struggling to sell papers. So Morgan cooks up a classic scheme to print a book and tell the public that this book would disclose the secrets of masonry. And obviously people would be curious. Bing, bang, boom, they'd be rich. Masons exposed. You know, this is like one of those videos you see on YouTube. That's like all caps, like Masons, Mason secrets exposed. Uh, (laughs) You know, this is like YouTube conspiracies before YouTube. It's just guys that were able to print that had access to a printing press. They could basically print whatever slander they wanted. (laughs) So under the false pretenses of being a Mason himself, Morgan gained access to local, a local lodge and documented several of the organization's cryptic ceremonies and induction rituals. Now, in some stories, I heard that he was in fact a Mason that had become disgruntled. Uh, but I do not believe that is correct. I think he did, in fact, sneak in. And this is where I'm fully on board. You know, this guy's like a young Alex Jones sneaking into Bohemian Grove. <laughs> you know, this is kind of cool if he actually like snunk in to a Masonic lodge and copied down all their shit. But see, this could also be where the anti-Masons. So not even like guys that couldn't get in, guys that were just disgruntled with the organization. They're like, fuck it, we're going to start our own club. Yeah. Uh, or even women. Yeah. But I, I don't think they had much say back then. And that's not even being like a slight at women. That's just like a historical it's, fact. Yeah. Um, but you know, Morgan, so Morgan's, he's got the secrets. He's writing the book and he begins this ad campaign. And this might've been his biggest mistake yet because he starts dropping teasers saying like, Hey, releasing soon Freemasons exposed. Uh, now, in August of 1826, Miller hinted that he had discovered the quote-unquote strongest evidence of rottenness in the centuries-old fraternity. Uh, now, obviously, this is all this is all the buzz, and this starts gaining traction in neighboring counties. Uh, the Masons catch wind of this, and they begin giving this guy some flack. This guy's like the uh, old-timey TMZ. Hmm. Yeah, I, I guess in a sense, although it's just, you know, kind of one guy doing this. So, yeah, you know, now 13 colonies. Now, Miller's offices, they were targeted when a mob of drunken masons tried to destroy his print shop, and it was damaged by a small fire two days later. On September 11th, a gang of masons showed up at Morgan's house with an arrest warrant for petty larceny. Apparently, he had borrowed a shirt and tie from a local tavern owner and never returned it. Uh, Now, now these charges were dropped immediately, uh, but Morgan was arrested again for a debt of $2.65. Hell of a debt. Now, late (laughs) late in the evening, he was bailed out by a group of Masons. What did I say? Led by ringleader Lawton Lawson. Freemasons, you got a buddy named Mason locked up. This organization comes in and springs him. Now his name is Morgan. Free Morgans. <laughs> yeah, the, Morgan Freeman. You see, um, 
So, you know, they, they got the ringleader Lawton Lawson, they bail him out, and he's thrown into a carriage, taken away, never to be seen again. Now, the last word anyone heard Morgan utter was allegedly... Murder! (laughs) (laughs) Now, there is a picture of the gentleman there, and he does look like somebody who would be, like, bullied and yell murder. (laughs) Right? (laughs) That's they probably let him in and they were like, gotta get this guy out of here. <laughs> yeah, now now Mason's now now get this. So what are we thinking here already? I mean, what are you guys thinking? <laughs> Just like I said, man, this guy they they let him in because they'll let anybody in and then they realize like what a nerd he is and they're like, nah, we gotta get this guy out. This guy got his all print shop down. He got all butthurt and was like, I'm gonna expose your organization, and then yeah, they go after him. Now, the Masons responsible, they claimed that they took him up to the Canadian border, gave him $500, and told him to fuck off north on the horse he came in on. (laughs) Now, I highly doubt that because that's like 13 grand in today's money. So they're not going to be like, hey, we got to get this guy out of here. Let's just give him 13K and tell him to fuck off. Uh, If I was to guess, I'd say that he was killed. Yes. Took the body up north, yeah. Now, others claim that this was all a ploy whipped up to sell more books. Mm. Makes sense. Yes, it does. Now, rumors of this guy's disappearance, they spread through New York. uh, And as the story spread, so did the myth. Um, The brutality and the drama of the kidnapping seemed to grow exponentially, while the desire to portray it accurately diminished. Mm. Now, does this sound familiar to any of you guys? Uh, faux news or just, you know, a lot of stuff we see today on social media, things that are just not, you know, yeah. Glamorized or not fact checked. Things are spread and and it just has the ability to spread like wildfire. As they say, if the glove don't fit, you must acquit. (laughs) Now. So the Masons, they developed a, a reputation as a secretive, powerful organization and a symbol of everything that was wrong with the country. Wow. Now, the men accused of Morgan's disappearance were put on trial. However, in January of 1827, they were given rather lenient sentences for being involved in a potential murder. Lawton Lawson, Eli Bruce, Colonel Edward Sawyer, and Nicholas G. Chesbro, (laughs) Chesbro, received prison terms ranging from one month to two years in jail. Now, they were officially convicted of forcibly moving Morgan from one place to another against his will. <laughs> that's the charge. Yeah, that's the charge these guys got. I guess, <laughs> hey, guys, we can't prove it, but this is what we heard. Hey, no body. So they don't have a crime. Jimmy Other Hoffa. than, uh, yeah, it's <laughs> like Jimmy Alpha. Uh, it's like we said, these guys were like unions. So, you know, that's where we get the whole disappearance. Mm. Um, so, you know, with all the myth and these theories spreading, in the eyes of anti-Masons, the all-powerful Masons had gotten away with cold-blooded murder. Now, what are we thinking so far? Because you could go either way on this. Like, it's these yeah. few radicalized guys that give the whole organization a bad name. Okay, I think it started out as like an innocent hangout for these guys that were actual Masons. And then once people started figuring out like, oh, there's like these secret rituals. Oh, how do I get into this? 
And then guys with money started getting into it. Guys that weren't Masons started getting into it. Comes over to America, becomes a whole different monster. And now there's probably is lodges that are doing all this crazy shit, like murking people off. I mean, you don't just kill a guy over nothing. You got dissed, you ate beef. No, that's where I'm getting at. Do you? Th- I don't think it was the whole organization of masonry that sanctioned well, yeah, and said, no, "Yes, I'm go saying, kill yeah, this but guy." I'm saying there was probably that specific lodge that he was snunk into, or whatever, was probably doing some fucking off the wall shit, and they didn't want to get caught for it. So they're like, "Hey, bada bing, bada boom." Or maybe just one guy. Morgan's one, not. Uh, Morgan's out there swimming with the fishes now. Maybe this ringleader of this one lodge just uh, said, "Hey, fuck this guy," and they went and killed him. But yeah, it is <laughs> He's like literally publishing a book. That said he was going to release their <laughs> yeah. secrets. I do think that's like a bit like, okay, so if you, I mean. It's not like they're just out of nowhere. They were like, hey, we're going to go fucking murder this guy. Yeah. And it's like, what it's what were they afraid of? Like, if it was just bullshit that he was publishing, there's so much bullshit out there that's been put out on the Mason. So why would they kill this guy? You know, maybe it was a different beast back then. Like maybe there was, maybe this lodge was doing some crazy shit that they didn't want people to find out about and for they sure. killed this guy. But then again, that one lodge for being a bunch of bad apples, they get the myth moving on all of Freemasonry. Huh? They fucked up. You see, I see it more like these prison gangs. Like <clears throat> you got the old guard just kind of chilling and then you got these young guys Someone starts running their mouth about the gang. They got to go do something about it. The OGs might, may or may not have, you know, gave them the all clear. Go ahead. <laughs> okay. It sounds like the <laughs> mob. Clear. It's like the mob. These are like the the fucking. Uh, hey, no one guys. freaking greenlit this hit on Morgan. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, now, as we know, you know, people love a good conspiracy theory, especially when it involves secrets, rivalries, and mysterious murder. Uh, so the myth seemed to snowball from here, and this subsequently led to calls for political action. Uh, Citizens from all over New York State met and agreed to stop voting for candidates with Masonic ties. Uh, We got to vote these fuckers out, they said. But how do you know, like, are these guys running around wearing little, like, lapels or something? That Yeah, haven't you seen uh, when George Washington, there's a very famous painting of George Washington being sworn in as president, and he's wearing Masonic garb. He's wearing, like, a, the blue thing and, like, an apron. Um, so, like, these guys an would apron. say... Yeah, it's, like, a big thing in their rituals. They wear aprons. I guess this comes from, like, stonework. Um, huh. But, yeah, and they have different patches and symbols and shit on them, but... I think like, you know, you don't have to tell people you're a Mason, but it's not like, it's not some, it's not like Illuminati where you would like never know if somebody was in it or like build a bird group. Like the Masons, as we said, it was just a boys club. It was just like, Hey, you know, I'm a Mason too, you know, throw up our fucking pinky rings. Hey, this guy's a freaking Mason. He's a freaking brother, you know? So I don't think it was like a big secret back then who was a Mason, but these guys said, hey, you know, we're voting these fuckers out. Even Mason-owned newspapers were boycotted, and come time for elections in 1828, anti-Masonic candidates were winning offices all over the country. Even the sitting president, John Quincy Adams, declared that he had never been and would never be a Mason. And from here we get the anti-Masonic party considered America's first third party. 
Now, this is what blew my mind. America's, or not really blew my mind, but it's like America's first third political party was born out of a conspiracy theory. <laughs> that's pretty crazy, right? Like that's in our DNA as America. You know, that's why people love a good juicy conspiracy theory. Mm. It's always been around. You know, it's in the bedrock of this country. Um, now they it's also in the uh, cornerstones of the country. <laughs> yes, laid they, by these masons. Laid by these masons. Now they also became the first political party to hold a presidential nominating convention which became adopted by all American political parties in the future. And we still do it to this day, DNC, RNC, uh, even though it's probably polluted with fuckery and chicanery. Probably. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but for the anti-Masonic party, there wasn't enough to the movement other than hating Masons. And in turn, it simply fell apart uh, not long after its inception. And that's the great thing about this country. We don't have people... Just starting a party because they hate something, somebody else, and having it be successful. Well, we might. (laughs) (laughs) No, that seems to be the way we're going, and maybe we can get into that a little bit in the end. Because, yeah, some of this stuff does kind of tie into a lot of what's going on now, as we already hit on a little bit. Um, But now, you know, for the Masons, this whole Morgan affair, the anti-Masonic movement... Um, this led to dwindling membership, and so Masonic influence dropped drastically all over the country. Uh, following Morgan's disappearance, David Miller did, in fact, publish illustrations of masonry uh, with an intro pinned by him just ripping into the Masons, reading, quote, In the absence of the author who was kidnapped and carried away from the village of Batavia, on the 11th day of September, 1826, by a number of Freemasons. Now, Morgan's work revealed that prospective members had to sign and declare an oath of loyalty and to keeping the organization's darkest secrets, all under punishments of torture and death. Uh, Morgan also described a ritual that he witnessed involving the senior deacon of the lodge poking the exposed chest of a newly appointed member with the tip of a compass and issuing the following threat, quote, As this is a torture to your flesh, so may it ever be to your mind and conscience if you should ever attempt to reveal the secrets of masonry unlawfully. Now, all of these alleged secrets, coupled with the fact that the author was kidnapped and killed by the Masons, made the book a bestseller. But to this day, no one knows whatever became of William Morgan. probably living off all that book money up in Canada. Yeah, so do you think maybe it could have been a whole ploy to sell this book, you know? They just he just says, "Hey, look, we're going to do a little ruse. I'm a Mason. I write a book that exposes Masons, just tells about like a ritual which we would tell anybody about, and then we sell a fuckload of books. You guys fake kidnap and kill me. I'll fuck off to Canada and I'm rich." Well, he probably would have had to pay them in that instance, so wouldn't really make him rich. Maybe they got royalties or something. Yeah, royalties from the book sales. It's a bestseller, dude. 
which I mean, that's a win-win. They get their money too. And maybe, I mean, maybe this whole thing is cooked up by the Masons themselves. They're thinning the herd. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Maybe this was a whole Masonic uh, Uh, thing. We got too many people joining. (laughs) We need to uh, slow down the membership. Too many weirdos. Yeah, man. (laughs) Okay. Let's make this uh, bullshit-ass book up. Now, this whole situation reminds me of a movie I seen on Netflix a while ago. Maybe you guys have seen it. I don't remember what it's called. And I don't think it's free. (laughs) Masons necessarily. Well, this guy like gets invited to this party and everybody has to wear all these masks. And Eyes stuff wide shut. No, <laughs> the invitation. I, I might be the invitation. I th- I think it's Illuminati more than Freemason. But like the guy goes to the party and he's like a journalist kind of thing. Is it Tom he, Cruise? I don't think so. <laughs> okay. Anyway, man, like he's like trying to publish all the secrets of this group and stuff, but then they end up killing him at the end, or they willfully move him without his consent. I had to look this up, man. All right, it's fine. Uh, we'll figure it out now. Yeah, <laughs> I'm sure somebody will tell us now. Yeah. You know, take that story as you will. Maybe it was, maybe it was Masons. Maybe it wasn't. Maybe it was just this radicalized lodge that killed this guy. Uh, who knows? But. You know, there's a ton more we could cover in depth. Uh, you know, the rights, the the fucking lodges, the shit like that. Um, but basically, you know, what we just gave you, that's the foundations of masonry. Um, everything that came after built off of these principles and histories. You know, once it came to the U.S., you had guys like Albert Pike. They expanded on the rituals and degrees. And like we mentioned, the membership fluctuated throughout the years. Uh, Most of the changes came in the late 17th century with the booming of secret clubs. Like we discussed on our Friday the 13th episode, you know, there was like the 13 club. There's all these secret clubs. Um, But essentially, you know, the changes were just in rituals, learning more to help switch things up. You know, there's the 33 degrees, the Scottish Rite, the York Rite, the Shriners, um, those guys are awesome. You know, let's bring back the, the fucking Fez. I dude. like the little go-karts that they ride around the mini <laughs> Yeah. But, you know, that's essentially uh, masonry in a nutshell. All right. Let's, let's get to some of these theories. So, uh, and, you know, feel free to throw in any theories you guys might have come across. But these are, I just kind of went through and picked some of the major ones, you know. I mean, one of the uh, classics is, you know, are they on a quest to rule the world? You know, one of the most compelling, most long-lasting Masonic conspiracy theories is that the Freemasons' main objective is to control the world under a one-world government, new world order, or even that the government has already been established, that this new world order has already been established. Uh, Specifically, this one, it's like, It points to all these prominent leaders that are or were Masons and all these bloodlines are connected. Now, what do you think here? Is there any weight to this? Uh, I'd have to do a little bit more research into it, but I think that it definitely holds some weight. So now, see, this is where I would have liked for you to do that research in the month's time (laughs) so that you could dispute (laughs) this one or maybe have come up with any Well, I didn't look into any bloodlines and stuff is what I mean. Well, exactly. That's because most of these theories are bullshit. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, maybe you could connect some of these guys, but it's like, it's like, um, you know, if, if dad was a Freemason and he was, he was like, Hey, you know, like it would probably be something that would interest us and we'd want to join. 
So that's probably you sound like you want to join already, and you're not even. Hey, I I know. Let's go join. Let's get like let's go back out to the streets and join. Dude, you know what I I think in my in my mind, and this is getting off the theory a bit, but it's like uh, I think. This is just like a, a way to maybe for like older guys to make like friends, like guy friends. Because you know, how do you do that? It's like the movie I Love You, Man. It's <laughs> weird it's a weird world out there. You know, once you're you're at a certain age, you're not gonna make any friends. And the masonry is yeah, a way for them to, to do the lot. <laughs> yeah. Old guys hanging out in a garage building shit with bricks and whatever you do, masonry. Yeah, and I was reading some stuff from like Masons on Reddit. Uh, guys that are allegedly masons and talk about it like every uh in some lodge it always starts off with dinner so you go get a free nice ass dinner and then you talk about whatever and do some fucking rituals well you, Sign don't, me up. you don't talk about religion and politics that's, <laughs> oh, that. that's true that's cool <laughs> you that's just talk perfect. about philosophy and shit so, like we're, so we're signing up <laughs> <laughs> i mean i think if i had some more free time on my hands i'd sign up now, once you sign up, is this like a for life membership kind of deal or how does that work? Well, no, one guy said you can kind of come and go as you please. Like if you, like if you are getting busy and you know, you, you don't have to go to every meeting and it's like he said, it's like two meetings a month, I think. Got to pay dues though, right? I'm not sure. I mean, I would assume, yeah, that's how they make money. Can you money. put your membership on hold? Maybe. I don't know. Why don't you uh, mm. apply and, and let us know? This needs to be the next Instagram post. Yeah, yeah, yeah maybe yeah. we'll release a podcast threatening to expose the secrets. And next thing you know, I'm in Canada. Great. Yeah. You left 13K. No, but here, seriously, like, you know, my thought here is, you know, personally, if this is their plan, if it's if it's to take over the world, establish this new world order, uh, it's taken them a hell of a long time to pull this one off. Or has it, dude? I think it has. We don't have a one world government. Yeah. No, but maybe everything's going to according to their script. How long is the fucking script? The guys that would well, have I'm written this original it, thing are I'm long dead. Maybe the maybe that wasn't the initial plan, but once the guys with money started getting involved, then it became a plan. And you think it's still a plan that's going to happen long after they're dead? Possibly. <laughs> okay, you know. Uh, I mean, dude, a lot of weird things have been happening lately that uh, point to a. Uh, one world government becoming a real thing. Okay, and you think this is at the hands of the Freemasons? I don't, I'm not saying that, but it wouldn't surprise me if it was. Okay, well, <clears throat> let's get into our next theory. That's Freemasons are in league with the Illuminati. Yeah. Uh, now, this goes, I mean, this is kind of similar. It goes hand in hand with like a global takeover. I think there's several different variations of this theory. Uh, some claim the Illuminati evolved from Freemasonry or vice versa. But, you know, I'm thinking if we go off of the um, research from our Illuminati episode, it would have to be the former because Bavarian Illuminati was founded in 1776. So that's much younger than Freemasonry. Uh, you know, I believe we discussed it on that episode, but I think uh, the main pillar of this theory is kind of that, like, once the Illuminati was allegedly dissolved and forced underground, they were absorbed into Freemasonry, and then the theories kind of go from there. Thoughts on this one? I mean, what are we thinking here? Maybe Illuminati infiltrated the Freemasons. Yeah, that makes sense. I, I, I kind of see... 
Yeah, yeah. Like I, I kind of see. Like I, I, I bet there's someone bigger than the Illuminati out there, and these guys are just the minions for them. Okay, and Illuminati they, and Freemasons, and probably other secret organizations. Okay, so it's. Do you think maybe it's like some type of like uh, internal affairs, like spy game, where it's like uh, they're just kind of putting plants in to kind of keep an eye on things? Ooh. Okay, keeping tabs on everything. Yeah, like I can not. See that. Maybe they're not necessarily like orchestrating what they do, but they're just kind of you know there to make sure they're not doing anything too crazy. And when someone steps out of line, you take them up to Canada. <laughs> well, back in the fucking you move seventeen hundred spot to another against their will. <laughs> <laughs> now there, there. Now that's let's get into the next one. So uh, Freemasons are waging a war against Islam. Uh, now, there have been some theories that claim that Freemasons are waging a clandestine war against Islam, and some of these theories surmise that all major conflicts in the Middle East can be attributed to the Freemasons and stretch back as far as the Crusades. Uh, I feel like this one most likely comes into play with all of the Knights Templar rhetoric, because, I mean, like... They were a massive force in the Crusades, so it makes sense that people connect them in this way, because as we said, you know, um, they put that into their mythos, uh, the Freemasonry mythos, and some even believe that the September 11th attacks were actually orchestrated by the Freemasons to create anti-Islamic sentiments. And who was president back then? Mm. George Bush. George W. Now, his dad, George H.W. Bush... In 1989, in his inauguration, which was the bicentennial year of Washington's inauguration, the Bible he was sworn in on was Washington's. Freemason connection. George that W. That one that's in uh, New York? Yep, that one that's there. in the lodge. This was also going to be used to swear in George W. Bush, but inclement weather didn't allow it. So this proves without a doubt that the Bush family is in fact in league with the Freemasons. Bush orchestrated 9-11 to fuel the anti-Islamic sentiment, launched the U.S., founded by the Masons, into a forever war in the Middle East. Mm. So you'll buy that, but you won't buy that they're trying to turn <laughs> the whole world into a one-world government. No, I'm saying, do you buy this? This is just the the um, dots that I've connected on this one. You sounded pretty uh, passionate about. Well, you that. know, I got to sell it. I got to do it up. Do it up. This isn't my theory. Do you believe it? Do you I fucking believe. It? Okay, this is again. You know, a lot of people have hit us up to do the 9/11 episode, so we'll probably get to that this year. I'm thinking that around 9/11. <laughs> yeah. No, that's a little corny. But <laughs> I'm thinking. I'm kidding, dude. I'm thinking like if Bush did have a hand in 9/11, I don't think that he had any Freemason connection though. Like, I don't think the Freemasons... You think he just came up with that on his own? No, I don't. I mean, we'll get to it. I think it was more Cheney and uh, and his ideals and beliefs, and we'll get to that. Oh. I'll, I'll prove it to Is you guys. Is he a Freemason? Cheney? I don't believe. Okay. Uh, and I don't believe Bush is either, so oh. that's why I'm not saying that. I don't, you know, I don't think it was the Free... I don't think 9-11 was planned by the Freemasons, no. Okay. Uh, any thoughts you guys had on this one? I mean, I never really thought about it like that, but it's easy to see those connections. So you think Freemasons are waging a clandestine war with Islam? I don't think that, but I'm saying <laughs> okay. based on the connections you just stated, 
it would be easy for someone that has done zero research, independent yes. research to just jump onto that and well, yeah. think and that see, it's real. And that's why I did it. I was using that as an example. Like, obviously, that just doesn't prove anything. <laughs> just because he was sworn in on the same Bible as Washington doesn't mean that the Freemasons orchestrated 9-11. It is interesting, though. It's very interesting. Well, you got you got the Bible from the uh, George Washington swearing in. He's a noted Freemason. George Washington? George Washington? Yes. Yeah. Yes. So you got that. I mean, that's interesting. We're talking about the guys coming up with their own history, and they choose to specifically include the Knights Templar. That's, I mean, that's weird to me. Because that was, that was like 200 years apart, wasn't it? At least. The Crusades and then when they read in the history. Yeah, but see, like, it comes into play because if they trace their, like, stoneworking roots and stuff back to uh, the, the founder of Geometry Dude, who was would have been building, like, Solomon's Temple in biblical times, then bringing in the Knights Templar kind of makes sense, but, you know. There's no way anti-Islam. I mean, Islam wasn't even a thing. Exactly. Interesting. Not back then, then- but when they wrote the history, yeah. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm talking about Egypt. Yeah, yeah. Also, I thought it was weird, 9-11, when they took Morgan to Canada. 9-11, the event, the day. That's weird, dude. Oh, yeah, yeah. That that one I did actually forget to put that connection in here. I did see that connection there. Um, it's now, no uh, secret. That 9-11 was orchestrated by the Freemasons. I don't. I don't think there's any anti-Islam sentiment though, because they don't even like talking religion. They all you got to do is believe in a supreme being. I'm. I don't think I'm buying into this one personally. Because they'll even let Islamic people in. Right now, ha- here we go. Now, if you're going off that, that brings us to our next one, which is Freemasons are waging a war on the Christians. So just as there are the theories that link Freemasons waging a war against Islam. There's theories they are waging a war against Christianity. Now, proponents of this theory point to the 1910 revolution in Portugal. Uh, Now, I was looking into this, and this is kind of interesting because I guess when the the centuries-old Portuguese monarchy was overthrown, Organizers of this coup were in league with the Freemasons, and the first act of this new government was to expel the Society of Jesus and other religious orders, uh, to prohibit religious teachings in school, and to separate the church and state. Now, the latter is also a pillar of the U.S. You know, we got to separate the church and state. That became huge. And um, so I guess this whole thing kind of leads to people saying that, hey, they've always been at war with Christianity. Look at them bashing heads with the Pope back in the day. Now, what do we think here? Possible? Is this this one of the schisms, I guess? Because there's a whole Church of England, right? And that's where Freemasonry is kind of like, quote unquote, started. In England? Yeah. Uh, Yeah, I mean, I believe so. Jolly old. I I don't know. I guess the point is I'm not buying this theory. Rob, your thoughts? Yeah, I was just saying I don't really buy into this one. I mean, obviously, there's different um, breakdowns that don't agree with certain religious sanctions Mm -hmm. or whatever you want to call it. But I think the the Islam one sounds more believable out of these two. Okay. Yeah. Now, how about Freemasons control Hollywood? Uh, now, again, this one is getting kind of out there. This is kind of a stretch, but I thought it was good, so I threw it in here. 
Uh, now, in order to effectively spread Freemason philosophy and dogma, Hollywood music and movies have been infiltrated by the fraternity and have implanted subtle images in Hollywood films, especially sci-fi films, which are being used as propaganda by Freemasons to slowly introduce and normalize the idea of a one-world government. How many movie plots revolve around a global alien invasion where the entire world must band together to defeat the aliens? Obviously, this is Illuminati or this is a Freemason rhetoric that is being used to indoctrinate us into believing that a one world government is not only possible, but probably the only option we have. What are we thinking? Now, I don't know that the Masons are behind that, but. I definitely could buy into that conspiracy. <laughs> okay. Now, interesting to me, we're talking Hollywood. Uh, what What do you need when you're making film, TV shows, etc.? Sets, cameras, a lot of stonework. <laughs> Who's gonna be building sets? Stoners, masons, stoners, masons. Yeah, but as as we said, speculative masonry. They're letting non masons by trade in. This isn't Maybe. medieval masonry anymore. Maybe. We're still building stuff. Okay. So you think that <laughs> Freemasons have a stranglehold on building Hollywood sets <laughs> yeah. and they're Maybe using they this <laughs> and they're using this all as propaganda to normalize a one world government in sci fi they're, films. Yes. They're putting subliminal messages in these backgrounds in these sets. Absolutely. And they've infiltrated pretty much every Jay Z and Kanye video, as I saw on YouTube. And Beyonce. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Who I runs mean, the world? So are Aces. we saying are we saying that that one's probably <laughs> bullshit? I I would buy into that. Okay, so you're saying strong possibility. I would say maybe yeah. more Illuminati on this one. Okay, more. But hey, the two are one and the same. <laughs> okay, now this is my this is one of my favorites, and I like going into this one. So this is uh, that the that the Freemasons are controlled by the Jews. Well, that would make sense to why they control Hollywood. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't want to say it. <laughs> no, it's also so. Uh, people are always going after the Jews, uh, so adding the Freemason Jewish connection is just one more of this Zionist horse dirt that we've heard for a million times before. You know, we've heard this. We've heard this one a million times. Um, now, Hitler even claimed that Freemasonry is a Jewish-led fraternity gunning for world domination, and even persecuted the Freemasons for partly the same reason he went after the Jewish people. And much of this can be seen as originating from the publication and dissemination of the Protocols of the Learned Elders of Zion. Uh, now, have you guys heard of this work? I have not. Okay, so this is, uh, I mean, again, this is deeply fascinating and it plays a big part into like world history and we could probably do a whole episode on this, which I would be interested to do because this like document essentially details the Jewish Freemasonry attempt for world domination. And it is estimated that some 200,000 Freemasons were killed in the Holocaust. Uh, now you guys said you don't know about this. So the protocols of the elders of Zion, this was first published in Russia, 1903. And it 
is pretending to be, this was like Russian propaganda by the secret police to kind of be like slipped into the czar's psyche to incept him sort of. And Mm. basically it pretends to be the transactions of a series of 24 or 27 meetings based in Basel, Switzerland, which was at the same time of the first Zionist Congress in 1897. Now, at this meeting, this document alleges that Jews and Freemasons were said to have made plans to disrupt Christian civilization and create a world government under their joint rule. Uh, Liberalism and socialism were the means were to be the means of subverting Christendom, and if subversion failed, all the capitals of Europe were to be sabotaged. Boom. Now, basically, this is like, this was plagiarized from earlier sources uh, that were written in a reaction to like uh, uh, one of the French kings, I believe. Um, now, some of these sources were not anti-Semitic in nature, but the protocols is probably the most anti-Semitic and most dangerous and damaging piece of propaganda ever written. Uh, You know, it might be a stretch here, but it could be argued that the Holocaust might not have happened if this, if this work was never written because Mm. this is still presented as fact to this day. In 2001, people right here in San Diego protested the idea of like Israel being established as a state saying it was all this like Zionist coup to take over the world and stuff based on this work. Yeah. It's fucking insane. I would say that like the Jewish people as a whole are like no other culture in the history of the world has been more like maligned and misunderstood and discriminated Mm. against than the Jewish people. Thanks a lot. Christianity. (laughs) And you know, this work is definitely one of the most damning to come out. Uh, Henry Ford even funded the printing of 500,000 copies. Uh, and these were distributed throughout the U S in the 1920s. And you don't see Ford getting canceled. Yeah. Now he did eventually like, uh, recant that and say like he apologized because oh, it was, hey, sorry about that. <laughs> yeah um but it was all this protocols was also assigned by german teachers and presented as factual to german school t- children after the nazis came to power in 1933 interesting that a guy that was trying to take over the world was putting out things about how the Jewish people are trying to take over the world. Well, it's again, like this, that piece has been used as an excuse. So Hitler obviously wants to take over the world. And then he uses that an excuse for exterminating the Jews. You know, he, he can point to that and say, look, they were going to take over the world. I had to wipe them out. He used them as a scapegoat for his rise to power. Um, but it, I think like one of the reasons, and this is why I'd be fascinated to do an episode on this, uh, that this has been like published and publicized so much is that because it wasn't until 1994 that they fully like traced the roots of this document. Uh, because before that it was like, they did say like, Hey, look, this is clearly plagiarized. This is fake. And yeah. that, that was printed in, like, the Times of London in, like, 1920s. But people still said, no, 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 this is real. This is real. Kept reprinting it. And it just kind of snowballed from there. And I think in 94, like, with the some type of act that allowed, like, Russian documents to be released, they found, like, the origins of the Protocols of the Elders of Zion. 
And but I'm sure people will still use it to this day to um, malign the Jewish faith. What's well, interesting to me? Didn't we say at the top of the show Henry Ford is a Freemason? Was a Freemason? <clears throat> yeah. That is kind of, you're kind of, yeah, you're poking holes at this theory already because if he was a Freemason... Controlled by Jews, why would he... I mean, unless that's all part of the plan to publish, yeah. Maybe but I don't think it would be part of the plan. No, I it's would just either. one big mind fuck. Yeah, I think it's just... I think, yeah, they're just fully, like, muddying every, like, historical, like, origin. Um but yeah. yeah, blame it on us. Yeah, go ahead. I mean, again, I don't think this one ha- holds any weight. Um, but this brings us to our next one, which is uh, Satan worshipers. Mm. Now, since the fraternity's inception, there have been claims that Freemasonry is actually a satanic cult. Many Christians claim that to be a Freemason is to stand against God. Uh, this can be, be traced back to the 1730s when we said the Pope condemned the secret society. Uh, and this was further perpetuated by the infamous Leo Taxel hoax. Uh, now, this hoax was basically, and keep in mind, I found all this on like this uh, MasonicInfo.com site. And the guy that wrote this is like a really angry Freemason at all these conspiracies. Uh, but it's pretty funny to read, but maybe take it with a grain of salt. Um, But essentially, this hoax was basically a practical joke that took on a life of its own. Uh, This guy, Leo Taxel, uh, was born in France, 1854, uh, educated by Jesuits who caused him to be resentful towards religion. Uh, He then became a free thinker. He joined Masonry, but was expelled as a result of wrongdoing. Now, he decides, hey, I want to get my revenge. And he basically tried to like redeem himself in the eyes of Masons by making the Roman Catholic Church look foolish. So he created this elaborate story in which the leader of the Southern U.S. Scottish Rite, Albert Pike, he took the brunt of this fabrication. And it was basically, this guy revealed that a highly secretive Masonic order called Palladium uh, practiced murder, devil worship, and more. And in his book, he utilized the Baphomet. And to this day, anti-Masons often make the charge that Masons worship a god called Baphomet or Satan. Now, in 1897, Taxil publicly confessed to the hoax, but people just kind of don't even remember that. And they just take his hoax and run with it as like proof that Freemasons are evil and Satan worshippers. Uh, because, you know, going off Albert Pike, um, this guy had a lot to do with like adding in degrees and levels to the Southern jurisdiction of the Scottish Rite Masonry. Um, although some Masons didn't necessarily agree with what he was doing, he kind of became an important figure within Masonry. And he is most known for writing Morals and Dogma of the Ancient and Accepted Scottish Rite of Freemasonry. Now, although most of the stuff claiming that he recognized Lucifer as the true supreme power seemed to be taken out of context. But I'm saying, how is that, if he's saying that he is the supreme power, how is that out of context? Well, listen, I'll explain. So in this book, he says that Lucifer is the supreme power. Um, But again, this is taken out of context because like Pike's whole philosophy was like free thinker 
and he kind of goes on this whole rant in this book about like um the origins of like because Lucifer in the Bible wasn't really the translation for Satan. It was like the morning star bringer of light, you know? Yes. And so he's using Lucifer in that bringer of light sense, not the fallen angel sense. So, so people before he was a fallen angel. No, no, no. This is like a completely separate thing. Okay. <laughs> it's like, see, to Blowing go... your mind now, huh? Yeah. Because to go into this, we have to go into like biblical history, which is like really long and boring, but basically... And we don't talk about biblical or politics. <laughs> no, I mean, we... In, so in Roman astronomy, Lucifer was the name given to the morning star, um, the star also known by the name of Venus. Uh, the morning star appears in the heavens just before dawn, bringing in the rising sun. Now, this derives from the Latin term uh, fair, bringer of or bearer of light. Yes, Lucifer, son of the morning. Yeah. Now, so... Lucifer, son of the morning. Basically, like, what this guy's getting at is, like, because when they wrote the Bible, they translated it wrong, and, like, Satan, devil, Lucifer, that's where they got the connection. Mm. Um, So is that what you were getting at? Like, not Lucifer, the devil, before he was Satan, but, like, Lucifer, the meaning of the word, the etymology. Yeah. Uh, But see, that's interesting, too, because we're going back to this whole Freemason thing. Free, free in the mind. Are they seeking the light, the knowledge, the wisdom? Exactly. That's what Pike is getting at. But people take that out of context as saying he's worshiping Satan. Mm. He's just saying, like, you need to be enlightened. You need to do all this research because he studied, like, comparative religions. And he would, like, study every religion and compare them and, like, take notes. And he, he wanted other Masons to do that as well. Uh, so that's like what his whole book is all about. But then people take mm. it out of context, say, Hey, look, the Freemasons are worshiping Satan. Hey, this guy, likes <laughs> yeah. Lucifer. Lucifer is the devil. Yeah. I only read the Bible and that's the truth. And yeah. And so, you. yeah. So that's like where we get that whole thing. Now, uh, also this is where we get the whole like three world wars theory because allegedly in 1871, uh, Pike wrote a letter to extremist leader called an extremist leader called Giuseppe Mazziani uh, and Albert Pike predicted the coming of three world wars, which would be necessary for the world to accept unified, a unified world under Lucifer. This is basically still in circulation around the internet. And in this like false thing, Pike announced that the first world war would overthrow the monarchies and create a fortress of atheistic communism. The Second World War would pin fascism against Zionism or Judaism. And the Third World War would oppress Islam against the Zionists. Now, when these wars... Pretty good uh, predictors. Well, again, this is bullshit. This was written like way (laughs) after and they just attribute it to him. (laughs) Now now he's saying like, yeah, people just kind of put this on as like, hey, this guy was really onto his stuff and they use it in league with like the protocols of the Elder of Zion. So these Zionist people are pretty fucked up. Well, no, no, no. Like, Or someone's trying to make it seem that way. Yes, because Zionist is just like somebody who agrees that Jews should have a homeland in Israel. Because when you look at like the history, like again, this is like deeply complex history that we can't just like do <laughs> side notes on. But essentially, it's like a Zionist just thinks that somebody 
Like the, that, just things that the Jews should have a place in Israel. I mean, yeah, yeah, I get it. I'm just saying. And then these protocols and all this like damning propaganda comes out, making it look like they want to take over the world and shit. And that's where we get like anti-Semitism and all that. So just so yeah. that I'm tracking, you're saying this guy wrote this stuff after the world wars had already occurred? No, people wrote this stuff as like a whole, this is just like the people attributing, saying he was worshiping Satan. They spun up this whole like letter that he wrote to this guy predicting these three world wars when like, there's no evidence that he ever wrote this letter saying this stuff. It's just another yeah. conspiracy just theory on the internet. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you know, it's just like with the Satanism stuff, this is just complete fabrication. Uh, and it can actually, a lot of this stuff can be seen as a spinoff from the Taxel hoax because they use that, uh, Lucifer out of context shit as like other proof for this theory. Um, and you know, this, this is still on full display to this day. You know, there's, there's conspiracies out there that the, the Freemasons are some elite order orchestrating the entire coronavirus crisis. Mm -hmm. Uh, I mean, you look at around the United States and you see the, the polarization is getting worse. You know, a stake is being driven deeper and deeper into the heart of the country every day. Uh, you got the QAnon conspiracy theory, which has millions of followers in the U.S. and international. Uh, which is a mind blow. Yeah, you know, claims to reveal the existence of a network of Freemason pedophiles who inf whose influence reaches into Hollywood, Washington, and Silicon Valley. Um, you know, it's like these conspiracy theories just keep spinning and keep spinning. And it's, as we said, they're still going on to this day. And it all has roots in what we just discussed. You know, you look at the role of conspiracy theories in world events and even like, it's like we said, you know, the first third party in America was founded as a direct response to a conspiracy theory, uh, you know, and that's where like, this is where we could kind of even get into a conversation about like the danger of conspiracy theories. Sure. Uh, because, you know, like we talk about them on this podcast and yeah, like it's fun to just talk about and like shoot the shit about, but then you look at shit like that has actually radicalized people off of like 4chan and like 8chan where the dude shot up the synagogue in what was it? New Zealand. Yeah. And like Pizzagate, like the dude, like that, like that would be an interesting episode to do, but then like you talk about it and we can connect some dots, but then you have some guy listening that takes that as like absolute fact and goes and acts on it. Yeah. But mm. I feel like also, even though we do break down some conspiracy theories, we kind of give you both sides, our thoughts on it. The yeah. fact that it is just a conspiracy theory, it's not real. Which is like, it, we're yeah. not, we're not like perpetuating anything that's like misinformation. Yeah. Because that's right, what, what, look at these jagoffs that all they saw was Lucifer related to Pike and they automatically, Oh, Satanism, Satanism. When that's not the point he was trying to make at all. All someone needs to do is hear us say one word and they could be like, Oh, that's it. I need to go do whatever nefarious deed. I mean, to that point that you're saying though is, at least in my experience, there is, and you know, no disrespect to Christian people out there, but in my experience, there's a lot of people that claim to be Christians that will just totally like bite someone's head off over the littlest thing, even though if you were to fully, you know, dive into the Bible, there's tons of other things that would tell you to, you know, love your neighbor, look out for each other. 
take care of one another. And then these people are like nitpicking at like which part of the Bible they want to follow. Well, that's not just Christians though, dude. That's every, every religion. religion, dude. Yeah, exactly. I mean, look at the Crusades, you know, and, and religious wars are still being fought to this day. It's a huge mm-hmm. thing. Um, but yeah, I think like... Well, uh, I was just saying in my experience, because we're here in America and that's one of the biggest religions here. I don't, I don't come into contact with a lot of people. Anyone that I've met that is of the Islamic faith in my personal experience has been pretty cool. Right, but you go out in the world and, I mean, they're blowing people up because they're not Islamic. And that's not, again, but, but I agree with you. It's not every Islamic person. It's not every Christian person. It's, it's the people, that, I think that's to your point, the people that hear what they think they need to hear and the message goes off and they're like, I have to do something about this. And yeah. that's going to my point with this episode. Like you look at the, um, the story of them killing the guy that wanted to expose the secrets. Maybe that was just one radicalized lodge not necessarily all mm-hmm. of Freemasonry. Uh, or is I it? think those, <laughs> those are no, but see, that's where the danger comes in. And where sure. does that line start to blur, you know? Because, yeah, we can sit around here and talk shit about conspiracies all day. And it's like you said, I aim to kind of bring you all aspects. And I'm not trying to like play sides or play favorites. I'm just looking at everything kind of object- objectively. But there is times where like, especially for the alien episodes, I'm going to pick the more interesting stuff to go in the episode. Yeah, because, yeah, for sure. you know, people don't want to hear a podcast that's like a chemistry paper. <laughs> uh, but, but, you know. Some people might. But it is, there is definitely a line to be crossed into like the dangerous thing. And I think nowadays... Uh, the difference is that like information is so widespread, you know, anybody can come up with a theory. Uh, it's like we said, you know, the people that get radicalized off of stuff like, uh, Pizzagate and, uh, shit like that. And back in the day, you had to have access to a printing press to be able to like get this information and this stuff widespread. Nowadays, all you need is your smartphone. Yeah. Nowadays, pretty much anybody can do that. You know, I mean, where like I, I think we kind of just went into that, but I mean, where do you guys stand on this stuff? Because look at the guys. Look at like perfect example: storming of the Capitol. Like all those people that probably did that. Yeah, some of them are like idiots that just wanted to like LARP. Hey, we're having a revolution. <laughs> You know, taking selfies in Nancy Pelosi's office. But then some of those guys actually follow QAnon and like truly believe that the election was stolen from them. And so that their only means was to like go and storm the Capitol, you know? And that was the right thing to do for them. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, and that's like. There's still uh, deeper conspiracies out there that this was all like a planned thing to like distract us from. Bigger, bigger, crazier shit that was going (laughs) on. Exactly. Because if you think about it, like, yeah, that was fucking stupid. It was fucked up what happened at the Capitol. But at the same time, if you look back on history of where people actually overthrow a government, this was like a fucking laughing stock. Like they just broke some windows, broke into people's offices. They didn't like I it wasn't a military yeah, coup. Like yeah, it's people not like are they com- actually took anything over or like did anything. I mean, I I haven't done enough research into this to fully speak on it, but I heard that a police officer was injured and a lady was killed by police officers. But yeah, she was shot. I saw the video. It's, it's also like what do you expect when you're breaking <laughs> exactly, into the yeah. fucking Capitol building? Yeah. But at the same time, it's like you think about 
all the times we went to Washington, D.C., how heightened security is everywhere. And that all the videos that I saw, at least, is like, <clears throat> how was this not a planned thing? Because it looked like they didn't do really jack shit to stop a lot of those people from going to the places they did. Yeah, I think I had like my own theory on that whole thing is kind of that it like you could look at it as, hey, this was orchestrated. But what do we know? We know that the DNC and the RNC both conspire to like prop up people they want as the nominee. Yep. So it wouldn't be that far out of the realm of possibility that they conspired to kind of let this happen, fall on Trump, RNC washes or fucking GOP washes their hands of Trump, and then they just fucking they get to impeach him. The um the Democrats get to impeach him, and then everybody wins. Yeah. Um. Like I think that could b- definitely be a possibility, but you know, but it just so happens to have be on the day where that's like the main topic <laughs> of discussion in the Senate. Yeah, but it's also just it's fucking crazy. Of like, I think the whole idea of like conspiracy theories, like it's crazy that a conspiracy theory took people that far to actually like go and get inside the Capitol. Yeah, and I think it's changed when like Trump became president because he can just. Like he, that guy's gonna do whatever the fuck he wants, and he can just tweet out stuff. And well, not anymore. Well, yeah, not anymore. <laughs> but well, like that dude was all but capped yeah. from day one. You know, he got into the presidency off a fucking joke, arguably. Like they were joking him, <laughs> saying this is never gonna happen. He was like, "I'll show them. Look at my numbers. Look at my numbers. Look at my ratings." Got into hey, the presidency. And all he does is run his fucking mouth. And then when he lost, he says, no, this was stolen. This was stolen. Keeps going, keeps going. Works his followers up into a giant frenzy. Gets him to believe the election was stolen. They storm the Capitol. And then what does he do? He just drops video that says, this was wrong. And like, (laughs) just completely folds. Like he didn't even, he's a, he's a phony. He's a fraud. He didn't even follow through and be like, we're gonna like, everybody compares him to Hitler, you know? And they said, he's not going to leave. He's Bill Maher. He's not, Trump's not going to leave. He's going to take over. He's going to be the next Hitler. Like (laughs) he just fucking immediately threw all those people under the bus. He didn't even bargain (laughs) to be like, Hey, can we get these guys some less prison sentences? If like, I'll say, he didn't even say like, Hey, Democrats, I'll say that Biden won. If like you agree to not give these guys any jail time. And he didn't even pardon it. He could have pardoned some of these fucking idiots that stormed the Capitol, but he doesn't even care because it's just, you know, it's It's fucking crazy to him. But yeah, I think like in this day and age, it's like, it's almost like it's, it's just crazy that, uh, to the point where like, uh, People will w- get worked up into a frenzy and storm the Capitol or like do riots all summer. Well, also, I think they can go one of two ways. They can be like completely 100% bullshit and go like super left, like that one, like where just you're like, why the fuck did this even become a thing? Mm-hmm. Or it could be something like, you know, Roswell. People consider that a conspiracy. Yeah, And it's like there's definitely some proof in the pudding there that's like 
something was going on here that you wanted to cover up and it's not what you're it's not yeah. a fucking weather balloon when we know that and see those are more fun but then you look at like today like the roswell stuff is more fun it's it's fun to talk about aliens but then you even look at today remember the facebook thing where they said we're gonna go storm area 51 yeah. Yeah. imagine if they got inside <laughs> taking selfies <laughs> <Yeah>. with aliens <laughs> but you know it's just crazy that like uh what evolves on like an internet form can yeah. go to like that level. And I think that's where the whole like danger lies. It's just like, you know, you got to fucking, we got to chill out people. Okay. Sometimes <laughs> See, it's what? fun just to talk about theories and they're just that theories. See, I think I'm going in a little opposite direction. I'm, I'm concerned with what we don't know. Maybe, you know, we're storming the Capitol. That's what all the news is focused on that day. What are we not hearing about? You're not hearing about the trial of Ghislaine Maxwell that had the tie to Jeffrey Epstein. You're not hearing about the trial of Hillary Clinton with all her, uh, with all the conspiracies that tie into her. You're not that hearing about probably the, crazy. You're not hearing about the aliens coming down and signing a right. treaty with the fucking Greys. Yeah, you're not it's, hearing about the uh, FBI and the government releasing all the uh, UFO data. It's the old major pain play. Your leg just got blown off. Let me break your finger because all you're thinking about now is that finger and not your leg. Exactly. Okay, so, you know, let's let's round this one out. Let's, uh, we got a, uh, here, my whole spiel, and then we'll get to a TLDL if you got one. But, <laughs> you know, getting back to the Freemasons, my whole spiel is, you know, while the Freemasons were not established for any sort of political purposes, um, they did play a significant role in exchanging ideas freely and being able to promote ideas of enlightenment, democracy, and even skepticism. Now, this in turn became the framework for countries like the U.S., uh, the pillars of democracy as they are. You know, if you think about it, this entire country is an experiment conceived by a bunch of fucking guys meeting in taverns <laughs> in the 16th century. Uh, you, you know, you look at the formation of the U.S., the French Revolution, countless other world events at that time, and while it may not have been cooked up directly from Freemasonry as some sinister plot on world domination, Freemasonry did serve as a web of shared ideas, a catalyst in a way, allowing these ideas to incubate and be expanded upon, and this indirectly led to where we are now. And there you have it. Uh, Freemasonry, let us know if uh, we missed anything. If, if you are a Mason and maybe you say, hey, you got some stuff wrong, uh, here we go. Maybe you want to give us some secrets, expose the organization. <laughs> We'd love to have you on. We'll take you up to Canada afterwards. Yeah, now TLDL, what do we got on the Freemasons? That, that's actually a pretty good summary right there. If you can't take away what Ryan just told you, you weren't listening. <laughs> That's literally what I was going to say. It's a bunch of good, drunk guys in a gentleman's club basically hanging out. Talking ideas, talking shop. Hanging out yeah. down the street. Same old thing that we did last week. Bing, yeah. bang, boom. You got the United States and we're living in it now. Unfortunately. <laughs> hey. I'd rather be off in France. Only thing stopping you for your God and common sense, and I know you don't got either of those. <laughs> hey, France is still the homies, I'm saying. Peace out to all the French <laughs> listeners out there. 
Uh, and on that, we are getting out of here. So I want to cite Everything is Under Control by Robert Anton Wilson, which I actually realized I, I found a copy at a thrift store and it's signed by him. That's wow. sick. That's just cool. Um, Priceless. Yeah, if you can believe that. Uh, so check that out. Check <laughs> out uh, history.com slash Freemason Secrets Revealed by Martin Stezanoff. Seven Things You May Not Know About Freemasons by Jessica Rotondi. Uh, Ranker.com, Facts About Freemasonry. TopSecretWriters.com, The Top Eight Most Compelling Masonic Conspiracy Theories Out There. And www.masoninfo.com. Uh, that's the one written by the actual Mason guy. A lot of interesting stuff on there. Um, so check those out for further readings on Masonry. And on that one. As always, guys, feel free to hit us up. Podcast from outer space at gmail.com is the email. Podcast from outer space.com is the website where you can find all of our cool merch. We got pins, we got shirts, we got bandanas. We got some hats and some new t-shirts coming your way pretty soon. And also, if you want to hit us up on the Instagram, it's Podcast from Outer Space, as you probably already know. And just wanted to remind you one more time that we do have the uh, giveaway BT Bags High Score at Star Fox from our previous episode. So go to check out the last post. Check that out. You know, give us a five-star review. Maybe uh, just repost the post for us whatever it is you want to do we want to get you some free stuff guys so check that out and yes there is actually numerous ways to enter you don't just have to have an n64 and beat his high score you can enter multiple ways and i do want to say we do have some hats on the website shiesty nation hats uh this is a secret society uh you know (laughs) nobody really knows the origins of this thing uh check them out Go to the site, get a hat, fucking badass, uh, and you're a member, basically. That's all you have to do is buy a hat, and you're in here. Best 20 bucks you'll ever spend. Yeah, this is the best hat you will ever own. I do promise you that. Uh, And stay safe out there, everybody. And on that... Just got to shout out the homie Jimmy Steele and the folks at Beale Racing. Follow them on YouTube if you haven't already, even though they banned your boy T-Bag. If you're on TikTok, make sure you follow my brother, uh, Jerry Bauer, at MrBauer06. And uh, thank you, as always, to our people out there on the front lines holding it down for us. And even if you're not on the front lines, if you're chilling at home listening to the podcast, we greatly appreciate your support. And on that note, so long and thanks for all the fish. The beam of wagon. I rely on Ben Scott to shut it down if I die. Put that on my diamond bezel. You're messing with the devil. Can't stop. Won't stop. Can't stop. Can't stop.